Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong here having the pleasure to be with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? I'm good, Jason. I hope you are. I'm doing great. Hey, it was a, a busy week. <laughs> ACC tournament going on, and uh, no uh, you had seminars on Wednesday. Well, sure did, and and of course the best thing about the week is it feels a lot more like spring. You know, it has warmed up a good bit. Um, you know, last week weekend was nice and bright, but it was cold. Uh, this weekend it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> I'm sure, you know. I hate to pe- I hate to ask people to stay in to listen to my show. Uh, <laughs> I hope they have a portable radio. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, but anyway, uh, yes. You know, it's always nice to uh, uh, get past our seminars. Although I, I must admit, uh, you know, I love teaching. I, I enjoy it uh, so much. Uh, and of course, um, uh, it, with our webinars, uh, as well, for those who don't know, you know, every month we we do free what used to be seminars. Hopefully, we'll get back to to being able to do face to face seminars uh, in the next six months or so. Um, that sure would be nice, but. Um, but for now, we're having Zoom webinars, and they, they work really well. And, and for those folks who uh, have a hard time getting up, they can even attend those meetings in their, in their pajamas if they want to. So <laughs> it's got some advantages for folks who don't want to leave their house or for those who can't leave their house. But, uh, you know, the, the, of course, we do two seminars each month uh, on the same day. And I always do one seminar on long-term care planning. And for those folks who don't know what that means, I mean, any family who's been through a long-term care crisis, they know what it means. But the bottom line is, is that an awful lot of families are not prepared for a loved one uh, who goes downhill and needs care. Uh, and, and oftentimes it's, it's uh, simply because folks have gotten older and they're frail and they need help with activities of daily living, which can be just helping them to get up and get dressed and get bathed and, and have their meals prepared and, or to just be in a safe environment. Uh, that can be so important. Uh, to families to know that their loved ones are safe. Um, And of course, for seniors, uh, they come at it like, I want to stay right here. I'm going to stay in my home. Uh, uh, You know, all of us want to maintain our control over ourselves and and where we live, and we want to maintain our independence. So the, 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 the real key to both the parents and the children, both the the seniors and um, you know it's hard to call them children; they're adults too. But the uh, fact is, uh, there needs to be a, a compromise more often than not. So it's how do the children help their parents stay independent and stay in control? And so. The parents have to give a little, and the children have to understand the needs of the parents too. So it's, 
it's uh, not all one-sided, <laughs> or it shouldn't be. And it, it's hard sometimes to get where uh, they both need to be. Um, and of course, if there's a spouse involved, there's also a lot of stress on the spouse, which, and too many families put too much emphasis on the person who needs care and not enough emphasis on the spouse who's giving most of that care because there needs to be a lot of uh, emphasis on both. Um, and oftentimes it's the caregiver's fault. It's the spouse's fault for not taking care of herself or himself uh, in the ordeal. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and oftentimes it's over money. So the long-term care seminar, it helps people get through to know what's available. What are the resources, particularly the financial resources that might be available to them. And what's really fun, if you get right down to it, is so many um, of the folks are actually surprised, if not shocked, uh, because um, what I teach and what is learned by folks who attend the webinar is contrary to what they thought they knew. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we talk oftentimes about uh, you don't know what you don't know. Well, what's the most dangerous is the information that we think we know, but that isn't true. Uh, and that's hard to get over. And when it comes to how government assistance works for long-term care with uh, with whether it's VA benefits or whether it's special assistance or whether it's Medicaid, and of course there are several different forms of Medicaid that's important to families. Uh, it, there's just it's not just one program, but most people come away. Uh, it's either well I didn't know that, or that's totally opposite of what I've always known was true. And so it's fun to be able to teach folks how the law works in, in this area. So that part of our seminar is really, really important. And, of course, the, the other seminar that we do is on asset protection and how trusts work with asset protections. Well, wouldn't you know, there's as much misinformation on trusts and uh, how they work. Uh, I think I ended the show last week by one of the myths about trusts. And there's so many people that think all trusts create asset protection. And that is just simply not true. Very few trusts actually create asset protection. Uh, now, there, if you know how to create a trust with asset protection, then yeah, <laughs> okay, but the bottom line is, um, and, and of course the most common trust out uh, uh, that is done by a lot of families for good planning purposes is a revocable trust. And a revocable trust, while you're alive, never creates any kind of asset protection. Doesn't, doesn't have any problems with it. I mean, it, it doesn't create problems. But there's so many people think, oh, I've created this revocable trust. I've got asset protection now. 
And no, in fact, uh, your revocable trust is even uh, subject to creditors of your estate upon your death. I mean, that's what the North Carolina Uniform Trust Code says. So if you've got a, a trust, your, your creditors have, still have to be paid at your death, even if there's not any probate court administration uh, of your estate. So uh, there's, uh, there's that. Okay. Now, there is a way uh, to use a revocable trust for asset protection, but there's a problem with it. You know what that is? What is that? You have to die. <laughs> okay. And not only do you have to die, you have, upon your death, you have to put in your trust that I'm creating an irrevocable trust for my spouse. And there's another problem with that. Do you know what that is? Does it involve another death, Bill? No. Good. It, it has to do with the fact that a, a living trust, a trust that you create for uh, yourself or, or you and your spouse while you're alive, um, if um, it, just by creating uh, an irrevocable trust for your spouse doesn't necessarily give you absolute asset protection. There's one creditor out there that it won't help you against. Do you know which one that is? I do not. It's Medicaid. Okay. In other words, uh, an irrevocable trust that you create for your spouse inside your living trust. In other words, it goes from your living trust to an irrevocable trust outside your uh, estate, if you will. That basically is a countable asset for Medicaid. So that doesn't work. But there's a way to make it work, which is to pour it over to a trust, what's called a supplemental needs trust, that you create in your will. So what I'm getting at is there is a way to accomplish your objective, which is really important, but whoever's doing your trust work has to know exactly what they're doing, not only for... um, uh, for normal creditors, but for all creditors. And so, uh, at least in my experience, most trust planners don't know anything about Medicaid. You know, they're looking at tax planning for the most part. And of course, if you're a family that knows that you're never going to need Medicaid because you've got too many resources anyway, and and most middle-class families can, in fact, get Medicaid. That's one of the big surprises in our long-term care seminar. But for most families, and let's just say uh, most, I should say most of my clients who might have a million, million and a half, two million dollars, and of course they have it in different ways. I mean, every family comes to us differently. But a lot of those families can can get on Medicaid, and that might surprise a lot of folks, Um, but they have to have their documents that work a certain way to make it happen. So anyway, as uh, it, it's it's just a lot of fun for me to be able to ta- teach these concepts to families because there are very few families uh, that actually know option know the options that are available to them, and that's that's what makes it fun. 
Yeah, you certainly learn something when you attend one of Bill's seminars. And one of the things that you also learn is that there's a, a free consultation involved. And Bill, I want to ask you about that a little bit later. But I want to remind everyone that, hey, you may have missed this Wednesday's webinars, but you can sign up. These, this, these happen the second Wednesday of every month. So the next one coming up is on Wednesday April 14th. It's free to register, free to attend. All you have to do is go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button. wgalaw.com. Just click on that seminars button and from there you can register for either of Bill's seminars, the long-term care assistance seminar or the trust and asset protection seminar. Or if if you're that adventurous, you can assign it for both if you would like to. wgalaw.com. Just click on that seminars button or you can call the office if you prefer to do it that way, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's free seminars or webinars as they're currently happening right now. And these deal with long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. And uh, Bill, we were just talking about your seminars as they just happened this past Wednesday. And we were talking before the show. And Bill, I don't know how long we've been doing this show, but uh, I, I didn't actually know that you offer a free consultation uh, for those who attend the seminars. That, that's exactly. And I don't talk about that very often, but that's a nice surprise for the folks who do attend our seminars. So I guess the secret is out now. Thanks, Jason. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I guess it is important for folks to know that if they do attend the webinar, uh, or hopefully we'll get back to a seminar, uh, you know, uh, more than likely it'll be late summer or early fall at this point. It looks like things are getting better um, as long as we stay diligent. But uh, but we do. We do a, a, a free consult. It's actually the very same consult that we offer uh, folks that don't attend our uh, webinar. So uh, for most folks, it lasts between an hour and an hour and a half. Uh, it's not a bait and switch. In other words, uh, the, the appointment can be made to meet with me personally. Uh, obviously, it, it can be any attorney in the office, but uh, that's up to the folks who's calling, and, and if they want an appointment with me, I'm delighted to meet with them. But um, I thought it might be helpful just to share with folks uh, what is involved uh, in a consult. Uh, and obviously, if you come in to the office uh, and it's a free consult, that makes it real easy. There's never an obligation to move forward with us, but uh, we give as much helpful information and advice as we can during the consult, and if there's a recommendation to uh, do work, which we always hope there is, then we'll give the folks uh, a price. You know, so many uh, in terms of exactly how much it will cost to move forward with us. Uh, some folks, you know, will call us up and say, "Well, how much does it cost to do a will?" Or how you know those kind of things, and those are legitimate 
questions, but the fact is it's impossible to answer until we actually know the circumstances of what the family needs and what we can provide. And it's also uh, helpful to the client to realize that most folks have no clue when they come in what their options might be. And for a lot of my clients, once they understand options, oftentimes they pick something that's totally different than what they thought they were coming in for. Uh, but it really comes down to, um, you know, we'll, I mean, obviously, uh, we're going to give folks the best advice we possibly can. Uh, uh, as attorneys, we always have a fiduciary duty to give the best advice we can that's in their best interest, and I, uh, that's something that's real important to me. But most, imp- I will also say this, when, when a person makes an appointment, we send them out a questionnaire. And it's really helpful because the bottom line is I can give far more advice if people fill out the questionnaire and bring in some of the documents that can help us help you. Uh, the the less prepared the client is, the, uh, the less helpful the consult uh, can be uh, because the folks who come in that, that are adequately prepared for the consult um, get a heck of a lot out of it, and that's, that's what's so important. So the questionnaire basically asks people to fill out some basic information, you know, name, address, contact information, children, grandchildren, or parents, or spouse, or, or whomever, uh, and some financial information. And, and it, uh, it, it's helpful uh, if we get a basic idea of how a family's finances uh, work. But, you know, and knowing the income of each spouse, uh, knowing where the income comes from, knowing if there's any kind of supplemental income, what are the uh, resources, what's the savings nest egg, what's the investment nest egg, uh, all of that can be really helpful. You know, what kind of insurance do people have? Um, all of those things uh, are, uh, but you know what's the most important thing in a consult? Family dynamics. You know, it does, I mean, truthfully, until you know how, because every family's different. You know, you have the traditional family, somebody's been married forever. They have X number of kids, and they have some grandchildren, and everybody's perfect, and there's no problems in the family. There's, you know, everybody loves everybody, and, it, it, uh, you know, they communicate well, and they get together, for, uh, you know, all the time. And, uh, you know, for, uh, the truth is, that's pretty rare today. <laughs> you know, most families do have a few skeletons here or there. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the children don't get along. Sometimes the children don't get along with one or both parents. Sometimes it's a second or third marriage with children by both parties uh, or anything in between. Or folks come in and, and they have no one. We call those orphan clients. Um, you know, so, so, you know, every family comes in with different dynamics. And so you might be using the same tools for most clients, but the tools build a very different plan for, for each client. So 
you know, basic information is really helpful. Finance, you know, the family dynamics are, at least in my book, the most important part of being able to get good advice on what your options are. So it's not a matter of just saying, we want some estate planning documents. I mean, okay, (laughs) that's a starting point, but it's certainly not where you want to finish. So in most times, if folks have done estate planning and they have a will or a power of attorney, or some other documents, and oftentimes people come in and they've done those years ago. Sometimes they've only done them a year or so ago, and they still want them reviewed because they've learned something since then uh, that what they have may not be exactly what they need, and quite often they're right. Because uh, uh, oftentimes, and, and it's like this, seniors are so much better off when they use an elder law attorney, whether it's us or another elder law attorney. But when folks retire uh, and they start getting into their, um, you know, post-retirement age, whatever it is, an elder law attorney tends to give them better documents uh, and better advice about what to expect and what's available and those kinds of things than regular attorneys that are not elder law attorneys. So now that's obviously a self-serving statement, but it is important. So uh, obviously one of the things we do is we review the documents people have and identify what's not there. You know, what could they be improved uh, and why? You know, because it's important for folks to understand what might be wrong with what they've got, even if they're effective documents, uh, you know, because there's so many options that people have that they don't know about or the attorney they used before or they didn't mind. They may not have had attorneys. They may have done it online or whatever, and they don't have a clue how their documents work or um how they might be improved. So that's an important piece, but that's not all we do in our appointments because, yes, we are state planning attorneys, and yes, we are elder law attorneys, but I try to do a whole lot more than that for clients because, um, I, you know, obviously I have a lot of experience after 45 years of this, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I so being able to share options based on what people share with me. Um, obviously, I also tend to review their insurance if they bring that information in with me. And uh, oftentimes people want to know uh, about how their long-term care insurance works or their life insurance. Or if they're younger, they may actually want to know what they should have in relating uh, to uh, long-term care insurance or health uh, or, or um, uh, life insurance or, for instance, life insurance with a long-term care rider. I also talk with clients uh, sometimes about their automobile insurance because a lot of folks never understand the dynamics of their policy, uh, which I think are extremely important. As you know, I talk about that from time to time on the show, but when folks 
you know, come in and and I find out how they've got their cars titled and what kind of insurance. I try to give them better advice uh, for modifying what they have. And then uh, I also, uh, part of my assessment is how, what kind of income do you have? What kind of income will you have uh when your spouse dies, it's critically important for each spouse to know what their financial circumstances will be when they lose their spouse. A huge issue. Well, a lot of folks don't realize what that is, and so that's something that I like to talk about, and I think it's really important. And as a part of that, I also want to review what kind of savings nest egg they have and what kind of investment nest egg they have. Um, and so all of that is critical in terms of what kind of planning they might do later uh, or with us um, because it all interacts, if you will. Uh, and then lastly, uh, and this is important as well, uh, I, I like to review people's latest tax returns. And, of course, right now people are starting to do their taxes or if they, some folks have already completed their taxes. But having uh, a copy of their, their federal tax return allows me to give them some tax advice, which you'd be surprised. They don't get anywhere else. Uh, and, and so for me, it's fun to be able to teach people some things that they might do to lower their taxes uh, and, and to give them a, a better plan, not only f with their legal documents, but some things that they might change that can help them significantly in the future. And one big thing, and I know we have to take a break, that I do talk about is how to use their retirement accounts. Because you know, it used to be years ago that it, your home was always the biggest uh, asset that uh, folks had. Today, that's not true. Sometimes it's the home, but oftentimes it's the retirement account that really is the largest asset that people have. And for some folks, it's by far their largest asset. So how they can use that asset is a huge issue. And um uh, the advice I give, I think, is really helpful to folks. Well, that's a, a pretty comprehensive consultation, and uh, you can't really beat something like that for free. And all you have to do is attend a seminar, which, again, is another great way to learn information and uh, to get some experience of Bill's knowledge. And it's a wonderful opportunity that Bill has for everyone. The second Wednesday of every month, the next seminar set of seminars is happening Wednesday, April 14th. Wednesday, April 14th. If you want to register for that and uh, maybe get a free consultation afterward, you can go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. It's free to register and it's very easy as well. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button and you have two seminars to choose from. There's the long-term care assistance seminar and also the asset protection and trust planning seminar. Both are available and free to attend. WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button or you can call the office 919 256 7,000-919-256-7,000. Taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Right back after this.
Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget you can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, you you briefly mentioned retirement accounts uh, in the last segment. And I know you want to spend some time on that and particularly IRAs and how to maximize them. Well, it's really important because for so many folks, um, your retirement account is the largest asset you have. And for those folks who are blessed in that situation. But I find that so many clients don't get what I consider to be good advice on how to maximize their IRA. Now, why do I say that? At least in my experience, most financial advisors, the, the folks who are the custodians of your retirement accounts, they tend to either give you very no advice or they basically say, just take your required, your minimum distributions. In other words, don't take more than that. You know, it causes taxes. You know, don't do that. You know, and, and everybody wants to lower their taxes if possible. Nobody wants to pay more tax. Okay, that is a legitimate concern. But is it good advice for you to only take your required minimum distributions? And the answer often is no, that can be terrible advice depending upon your circumstances. Okay, Uh, so um, uh, and uh, no, I'm not going to say, well, you need to annuitize, because truthfully, for a lot of seniors, annuities are dangerous. There, there is a hidden risk in annuities that most financial advisors who are trying to sell you an annuity don't tell you about. A, a lot of families don't realize that annuities can harm them as seniors, particularly if they would otherwise be eligible for Medicaid, because uh, if you're in your penalty period, uh, oftentimes you have to liquidate that annuity in order to get on Medicaid. Uh, And of course, there's always a quote, it depends, but the annuity, the person recommending the annuity has no clue as to how that works and how it integrates or doesn't integrate with, with Medicaid. But oftentimes, uh, annuities can actually be harmful. So people have to be careful with it. There are folks that annuities are okay for, uh, but then there also there's a large group out there that are sold annuities where if luck goes the wrong way, um, that they're, they're in a situation where they lose money because they invested in an annuity. So uh, that's something that's important for folks to understand. But, <clears throat> okay, uh, well, since I'm talking a little bit about Medicaid, uh, retirement accounts and Medicaid, there's some things I can share that most financial advisors do not know and can't tell you, so let me... Let me tell you about it. First of all, um, the annuities that you have typically are not compliant with Medicaid. So the question is, who owns it and who is sick? Okay. Um, so you can convert 
an annuity sometimes to what's called a Medicaid-qualified annuity. And that works if it's the healthy spouse who owns the annuity, okay? It generally does not work without liquidating it uh, for the uh, what you know the the spouse that needs care in the nursing home. Uh, so oftentimes, uh, and here's the here's the reason why you can take a retirement account and in essence exchange it uh, for a different Medicaid qualified annuity payable to your healthy spouse. In other words, it's your retirement account, you're sick, you need nursing care, and you want to go on Medicaid, but you have, say, a $100,000 annuity that doesn't comply. And and in fact, if you annuitize it for yourself, then the income is countable to you, and either it will disqualify you from Medicaid because you have too much income, which is rare, or it'll just be money that goes to the nursing home as patient liability. So the trick is annuitizing your IRA as a Medicaid-qualified annuity payable to your spouse. Now, that sounds like, okay, why? but, you know, only, first of all, most companies will not do that. And most financial advisors will say, you can't do that. That's impossible, blah, blah, blah. Not true. We do it all the time. There are two or three companies out there that will actually do that for you. But more often than not, you own a a policy that will not do it. So guess what? You have to liquidate that annuity and purchase another annuity from a different company that will actually pay it to your spouse rather than to you. Because Medicaid has what's called name on the check rule. So if it's payable to your spouse, it's not countable and the money doesn't end up going to the nursing home. So that's just one trick. Okay. Now, there are some other things that are really important about retirement accounts in terms of maximizing that folks need to know. And, of course, there's some new rules out there. So under the SECURE Act, uh, now you don't have to t- even take a distribution until you're 72. That's when the minimum required distribution rules hit, the year you turn 72. Now, uh, with that said, uh, so one question that should be asked is, should I even take retirement accounts or money distributions prior to reaching 72? And the answer for a lot of folks is yes, particularly if you have a large retirement account and you're healthy. Now, why is that important? Well, if you're healthy, it means that you should probably, and of course this varies from every family, delay taking your Social Security until your age 70. Because no financial advisor can guarantee you an 8% increase in your benefits. And that's exactly what Social Security does 
when you delay taking your Social Security. And so the folks who delay taking their Social Security, norm, if they live to a normal life expectancy, will typically receive $100,000 more in benefits over their lifetime, and sometimes a good bit more than that. So, yeah, that's an important decision. So if you can delay taking your Social Security, but you need some money, and you can take it out of your retirement account, that those numbers work every time. And that's something that most financial advisors will not recommend to you. And it's, and it's just math, and it's so easy. <laughs> so it's, um, that's a no-brainer. But there's also other ways to maximize, and you also have to understand the rules. Your own retirement account, you get lifetime distributions once you hit minimum required distributions. Your spouse, if they inherit your IRA, they also get lifetime distributions. Uh, and there's some, there are a few exceptions to the rule, like a sibling that's close in your age who might inherit or a disabled child. Uh, so there's a few exceptions, but typically when your IRA goes to your children or grandchildren, uh, they have 10 years in order to take their distributions. And that's an important rule change that a lot of folks don't realize yet. Now, if, if you have a young grandchild, they don't have to take a distribution until they turn 18, but then then they have 10 additional years to take their distribution. So what are some of the other techniques that you can do to maximize your, um, your retirement account and lower your taxes? Well, first of all, if you um, give to charity or you tithe or you give a significant contribution to your church or any other charity, once you get to age 72 and start, uh, it's required that you take distributions at that time, you need to look at how much you normally give to charities and uh, what your minimum required distribution is. And your minimum required distribution can be uh, determined the first day of the year. Um, it, it's based on what your age going to be that year and how much is in your account at the end of the, the, uh, of the previous year. So your minimum required distribution can be determined on the first day of the year, and it doesn't change regardless of whether your retirement account goes up or down. A lot of folks don't realize that. Okay, so you have a determined amount of your required distribution. Well, if you give to your church that much or anywhere, any significant amount, then um, basically having your custodian of your retirement account transfer that amount to your charity or to your church or synagogue or whatever, it um, is not taxed to you. In other words, uh, you're reducing your taxes because that amount that's given to charity is not included in your tax return while counting as your required minimum distribution. And that actually gives you favorable tax treatment that's even better than having taken the money and then made the charitable contribution where you used to be able to take a charitable deduction 
and now you can't take, unless you itemize, which very few people do, you can't take a charitable deduction anymore. So being able to give to your charity through your IRA is a no-brainer, and it lowers your taxes. Now, there is another significant way to um, that a lot of folks don't think about, and I want to share that with folks. I know we have to take a break, but I want to share another way they can maximize their IRA if they're married. Uh, this is something that's really important that most folks don't think about. Excellent. Everyone stick around for that piece of advice. We'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about maximizing our IRAs. And just before the break, you were you were telling all the married couples that they, they need to perk up and listen to this last piece of advice. Well, absolutely. Uh, now, why... Uh, there is a trick here that it's not a trick. It's really important tax advice. Okay, so the the now you need your tax return to figure this out, and you need to look uh, at your adjusted gross income, or or I should say your taxable income after you take your standard deduction. Okay. And that will determine, guess what, your tax rate. (coughs) Your tax rate is the real key to maximizing your IRA. It's not minimum required distribution. Why do I say that? Well, the fact is, is that if you're a single person, then you're at the 12% rate if you're under $40,000. If you're married, it's $80,000. But guess what? If you're married, you also have double the standard deduction than when you're single. Well, what a lot of folks don't realize is that the spouse normally is going to have all of the retirement accounts of both spouses when one spouse dies. So guess what? Oftentimes, the minimum required distribution once your spouse dies, will push you into a higher tax bracket, okay? So if you look at your tax return and you're married, and let's just say, because a lot of retired folks, their combined income, retirement income, is generally from Social Security. A lot of that's not taxed. And uh, they may have no other income. So they may have thirty or forty or $50,000 of room to take IRA distributions at the 10 or 12% tax rate. See, the next tax rate's 22%. So that's a big jump from 12%. And anybody who can take a retirement account at 12% is in great shape. So let's say, but we don't need the money. Okay, I get that. Well, then take, take it and convert it to a Roth IRA at that point. And of course, uh, if you convert to a Roth, you can take the Roth money at any time without any limitation, at least how much you've invested. The only thing you can't take out of your Roth 
is the investment increase. You can't take that for five years. But so what? You can still get your money, uh, the principal that you invest back, and it's there's no tax from a Roth. A Roth grows income tax-free, and you take it out income tax-free. So the trick is how do you maximize your your low tax rate and recognize that if you don't maximize it and and this you, it is not has nothing to do with minimum required distribution it has everything to do with you being retired and maximizing your tax rate so to me that's a no brainer for everyone that's great advice and a different way of looking at things that may be uh, different from the simple advice that we often hear. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can still register for the next set of seminars coming up on Wednesday, April 14th. If you missed the set of seminars that happened this past Wednesday, WGALaw.com is the place to go. Just click on that seminars button. It is free to register, free to attend, as we discussed earlier in the program. You also get a free consultation if you attend one of Bill's free seminars, WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button or you can call the office 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great day.